Thank you, Eddie. As we come this morning, I, um, well, the, the Lord has really laid some things on my heart about these verses. So get your mining caps on and get your picks out because we're going deep into the verses. I'm committed to paint a picture. And the, the title is really what the guy said at the end of what I'm trying to say. But it's getting there. We need to learn some things about Jesus. Um, so let's, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, how we come to you this morning and thank you for the saints of God. And thank you for the fact that we can come and look at your word and have it speak to us. That's what it's designed for. You have, you have said that it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing the son of the soul and spirit and joints and morals and the discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so, Lord, we understand that, in other words, you will get us right where we are, take us in our own private room, and with the rima, your word, you speak to us. May this be a time when we will begin to see and how we really get to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, this week has really been on my, my heart. And um, get it going. So, let me get going here. Now, we start off with abiding in the uh, inner circle and going way back in our series. We start off with the disciples and, and Judas have left and now Jesus was talking to the disciples, et cetera, et cetera. That the, the disciples were really the inner circle. And the inner circle, when you have to be in the inner circle, now the Lord takes you to another level. Okay. Uh, the, the disciples are now learning some things about Jesus. Um, and we're going to have some flashbacks and some things that we learn from Jesus and I believe that there will be a lesson from us as we look at this particular passage of Scripture, Luke 7, 1 through 10. And we will hit all 10 verses. If it's not today, I'm not going to rush it. I do need to, again, we're going to paint the canvas before we get down to the actual word. We have to actually paint the canvas, those who are familiar with art and all these other things. You have to lay the background and everything else before we start putting the picture in, okay? All right, so here, here we go. And so our title is Embracing the Power of the Word. What is it? As we talk about embracing the power of the Word, then here's where God will help us to see some things that you will not find in any other passage of Scripture, cross-references. You will not find what you find in the seventh chapter here. Now, when he concluded all his sayings, the hearing of the people, he entered the, uh, into Caper Capernaum. And a certain centurion, centurion's uh, servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders to the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal the servant. 
And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this thing was deserving. For he loves our nation and had built up uh, us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy. He said, what? I am not what? I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, uh, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does, does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled. Now, there's a, there's a number of times when Jesus, but and watch this, he marveled at this. And we'll get into why he's marveling. He marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. How many times did you read over that, read over that verse of scripture? Why did my Bible read this morning? Thank God I know I'm blessed. You know? <laughs> I'm strengthened for the day. And the Lord says, stop it. Let's go back. <laughs> let's go back. And, let's, and we're going to take three major snapshots. Three major snapshots that will pull you into the scenarios that you'll better understand the scenario. You've stepped over all everything that has gone wrong in this situation. So we need to do that. But first, our introduction in this, though. Uh, there have been several ways Jesus had, was, has uh, expressed his emotions. Deep sorrow, great uh, compassion, great anger, great tears, great surprise. Out of all of the emotions, the one that truly delighted our Lord's heart was the depth and genuine faith of a Gentile centurion with an extraordinary faith. Now, get this. A Gentile Roman centurion who had faith in Jesus. Jesus said, this have really blown my mind. Understand of all the other folks that have had faith, the woman who went up to Jesus and said, if I can only touch the hem of my garment. He said, Jesus said, I have not seen such faith as this one. We need to understand why. Because, you see, there's something that's incoherent here. A Gentile. Jews call, call the Gentiles Gentile dogs. And they're under the rule of the Roman Empire. He's a centurion, which means that he's over hundreds under Rome in the, in the season of worship, and he turns around and have great faith in Jesus? What happened here? Clarifying our thoughts for this morning, let us learn more by taking a closer look 
into the text. The great crisis, the great character, the gracious request. That's why I just deal in three snapshots. The three snapshots then is <clears throat> we need to first see that when we, uh, just like a, little, like a television program or what have you, and I'll tell Karen, have you ever noticed, now she's noticing more, whenever you're looking at a, a movie or anything else, the thing that really makes the movie is the music behind it. Do you ever notice that? The soft music and you know, you're crying because the music is going and, and you know something's going to happen or something's, something's going to scare you. Because you know, I mean, because, the, because the, it's, that, it's the softness of it. Well, see, the first snapshot says, let me put the pace on what's going on here. We want you to actually feel what's going on in this scenario. Before we go down to the, to the man with great faith, you have to understand the dynamics of what he's going through. You have to become theological because Jesus is there, and then physical because this man is going through. Okay, so the, the dynamics of the crisis, verses 1 to, one to 3. Now, when he concluded all his sayings and, and the hearing of, of the people, he entered the Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And so when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of, of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. Back up. See that third verse there? So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. The elders of the Jews to go to Jesus in a dire situation to heal a Roman centurion's servant. And the centurion sent them. He didn't order them. He sent them. He said, guys, would you go? Several things seem to be quite obvious about the first snapshot. One, the servant was valued more than just a slave who, was ser who, who served, but a person who was uh, greatly admired. You have to understand something about a centurion. In order to be a centurion, they took the cream of the crop, especially if you're going to be one over hundreds of soldiers. If you were a combat uh, centurion, you had to be a certain size, you had to be very agile, you had to be able to read literately, you had to be very literate. To be, that, uh, be a centurion, you had to be appointed, or you had been so valiant in war that you moved up a step. Here he's, he's, giving, he's given this position because of all of the credentials. If you, and each time you, they have little patches on their arms that will say, here's, here's, my, here's my rank. The reason I showed the picture before because of the uniform and everything else, that's how they dress like the Marines. That's how they dress in peacetime. They don't look like that in wartime. In wartime, they be coming at you. They, they, they gonna take you out, okay? <laughs> but in peacetime, they know they look cool. But in wartime, they gonna take you out. And they are experienced. 
they are, they're experienced fighters and everything else. But somehow in all the fighting and all of the things, that's the rule and everything else, here you find this centurion moved by not the Jews, but a slave. He loved his slave. You have to understand that when it came down to Romans, they were hard guys. And he loved his slave? You know, that says a lot about the person, doesn't it? Wait a minute. Make sure we take some notes here. If you're going to approach the Lord, I, the first thing I'm concerned about, what, what is your character? How do you treat people? What is your level of sensitivity? Why are you asking God to bless you and you hard on other folks? So you see, something that tells me something about him, that he loves his slave. That he'll seek Jesus to heal him. He, have, he can't find anybody else. If he could, he would have sent for him. He's, all he heard was Jesus. And isn't it, isn't it unique that Jesus so happened to be in the area at that particular time? Please don't say lucky, I'll smack you. It's amazing. Listen, that's why I had a crisis. Whenever there is a crisis, God is always there. He's not on his way. He's always there. Are you hearing me? Now, whether he responds the way you want him to respond, that's where we run into problems. Group, group saying, heal right now, Lord. Do it now. Lord says, excuse me. <laughs> I work by a different clock. And so we find he was greatly admired. The circumstances seemed hopeless. There was nobody else. Remember when it said that he was, he was almost dying. He was on the, the brink of death. Almost dying. Hopeless. He was given a communication that stirred his hope. There was a healer called Jesus who would make a difference. You know, that's all people need to hear. Hope. Appreciate Dave and some of the others who... In the midst of uh, the, the, uh, the shooting and everything else, and people are confused, and and that's understand what that was. That was a crisis. What do you do in a crisis? The first thing that they need is something to, to soothe their souls. And guess what? They won't be singing the pop songs then, do they? Uh uh. They they need they need someone. Uh, they need they need a word that will speak to their hearts. They need hope. And in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of all that he's going through, he received the word Jesus is able to heal. And he told him, go get him. Will you guys, will you guys go get him? And he's, hey, guess what? what? Watch this now. The choice was immediately sending the Jewish elders to uh, to plead on his behalf, the centurion's on centurion's behalf, uh, I thought that I thought that that was very uh, interesting, because he used Jews to ask 
the Jewish rabbi to come. He didn't come as a Roman soldier and say, Jesus, come here. Now, when you read scripture, in case you do, you're going to read Matthew, and you're going to read an entirely different passage of scripture of the same scenario. And you're going to say, Pastor, that's wrong. You have to do your homework. You have to do your homework. You have to understand the different representation of, of, of the, the books of, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, etc., etc., and that Jesus Christ and, and Matthew is, conser- is considered as king. And so the representing how this situation, this only happens in the two verses that is mentioned. It's mentioned in Matthew, it's mentioned in Luke. Luke is the physician. When you see the physician, he's very methodic. He's good at taking notes. So Luke tells the whole story. Matthew does not. See, it happened, but Luke tell you, this is how it really went down. They tell the story. People see it, but how they tell it. And so what's happening here is that he sent the, the, uh, the Jewish leaders, the elders, to, to plead on his behalf. Because they were in what type of a situation? A crisis situation. What type of situation? A crisis. You know what? Every one of us, sooner or later, you're going to run into a what? Crisis situation. And understand, when you run into a crisis situation, Jesus is not on his way. He's Jehovah Shammah. He's right there. Especially on on our behalf. Amen. Jesus was conveniently available to do the impossible. That's why I'm, I'm so glad we serve a wonderful Lord. He just didn't so happen. He so happened to be in Capernaum. He so happened to be in that particular while the guy was on his deathbed. He so happens to be there. Isn't the guy blessed? God knows exactly what you're going. What's going to happen to you today, tomorrow, and the day that He takes you home. He got it all written down. And the Lord keeps saying, shh, 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 I got this. I got this. Don't, don't cry. Don't get bent out of shape. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. I'll show up. I'm on my way. <laughs> I got this. And what we as believers need to do when saints are going through some things, help them to remember. Help them to remember. God got this. You don't have to quote a whole lot of scripture. Sometimes you get on their nerve. They probably say, Dr. Get these folks out of here. I thought he was your pastor. I don't care. Get them out. They just quote these scriptures. I just need somebody to tell me. <laughs> That's that I have a Lord that cares and he understands what I'm going through. I got this. The reason I, I say this, the reason I'm not, again, the reason I'm not rushing this since, you know, uh, since I'm the one preaching the sermon and I said I can go part one, part two. The reason I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my time because I know this past week had been Series after one after another of individuals going through all type of crisis, all of them. 
and as I, as I hear them, I can listen. I don't have answers. There's no time to be talking sanctimony. Oh, God will take care of you. Please, they, they just, they're just letting, just, they're just, they're just letting you know I'm hurting here. And the best thing you can do at that point is to listen. Everybody with me so far? Remember the characteristics of, of crisis from a believer's perspective. Personal. Painful, permitted and sometimes planned by God. It is a reflector of who you are. Failures to those who are self-willed. Or oh, a crisis will show you up. Quitters, those who have decided to let go. Fruit bearers, to adjust, learn, and grow. Romans 5, 22-5, and James 1, 2-4. I, I leave it up there because I say it, it has about three categories. I think that it's very important that you, you should see. You have the ones, failures, those are the self-willed individuals that when a crisis comes, since they didn't trust God before the crisis, guess what's going to happen in the crisis? They won't, they'll be consistent. They still could think that they can handle it. And God is saying, let go. I let me handle it. Quit trying to be so smart in this area. You're not smart. Who do you think you are? I'm the one who planned this. I'm the one who planned the storm, guys. I, pl I planned the water getting into the boat. That's why I'm asleep. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I planned this thing. That's, and then, then the quitters, those who would have decided, who have decided to let go. The quitters are saying, I've decided to take my eyes off of God and just totally just turn my hand. That's, that's a serious, that is a serious theological flaw that should be dealt with. You know what I keep I keep telling individuals now, keep breathing. Keep breathing. I don't care how hard it is, and I don't care how bad it may seem. Keep breathing. The song, when peace like a river tendeth my way, and troubles like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that have taught me to say, it is well. With my soul. Keep breathing. Uh, just paint in the background here. This this canvas. <laughs> I, I want you to see the thing that's building up to just reading the passage of scripture. These people, there are people who are hurting, there are people who are loving, there are people who are tender, and there's a loving God that's on his way and right there. It's all theological and feeling and everything else moving right in that verse. And God said, take time and just read it. And remember what it says, remember the, the, in the training program, I do, you watch. As you watch what Jesus Christ did, 
Jesus Christ, have you ever, if you notice, he didn't speak until the last part of the verse. He's quiet through the whole thing. He wants to get us, he wants us to get the feel of all the dynamics of the people and what they're thinking about. Well, oh, we'll get to, well, it might be able to finish too. Okay. Description of the great character. Great character, verse 4 and 5. The profile of the man. The man who called our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Number one, and when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one of whom you should do this was deserving <laughs> a Roman. <laughs> For he loves, get this now, he loves our nation. He loves our nation and has built our synagogue. What? Our place of teaching. He did this. Consider several things about the character of this centurion. One, he was faced with a serious crisis, but he didn't hesitate to keep his faith and hope alive. He did not give up, but pushed forward. He heard promising news and did not hesitate to immediately take advantage of it. He used his resources best suited for his purpose, the Jewish elders. He was driven by love, not military tactics. He used language of respect, not from his rank, but from his heart. This is the type of guy. When we said the person who called Jesus, this is the type of guy. Consider the perception of those who knew him. Notice their, their plea. They plead earnestly. They begged on his behalf. To, they felt that he was deserving. They believed that he loved God's people. A Roman? He shared that he was uh, instrumental in building, they shared that he was instrumental in building their synagogue. This centurion had his own story, history, that it impacted lives and took the, uh, took the illness of his servant for the, for the whole world to know the life he lived. If you want to know what, yes, I'm a tough guy, and yes, I'm rough, and yes, I'm ahead of, of my, my troops and everything else, but I have a servant that's hurting, and if anybody can find someone to heal my servant. So, I still got a heart. And there's Jesus to heal him. We have Jesus come. For a Roman soldier to send for Jesus? Where in scriptures you, these are, remember, these are the Roman soldiers that make you walk so many miles. And Jesus says they make you walk a mile. Then walk two miles. You know? If they do this. I mean, this is how these guys were cruel. Cruel. Not this one. He'll say, I'm sorry, you got your people mixed up, as Sister Tucker would say. I'm a new guy. I'm, I'm, by, I'm my own person. And the people, get this now, this is what the people are saying about him. Jesus haven't gotten to him yet. This is what the people are saying about him. When people look at you, what do they say about you? 
what are the words that they share about you as a person? And we find that um, they really love this person. And they, get this now, understand the intensity. Look at the adverb. They earnestly begged on his behalf. They didn't say he, they begged on his behalf. They earnestly begged on his behalf. Now, if, the, if he had forced them, they were saying, well, uh, the centurion wants you to come and heal this servant. The servant's almost dead. And if you come, Jesus, we don't care. We don't care. But no, they said they earnestly begged. And they said, here's the reason why we're begging Jesus. This is what this man has done. Jesus, he deserved it. I, boy, I like people to pull that for me. If somebody is speaking on my behalf, you know, I want them to list some things, you know. Are you living in a way that when people talk about, about you, there's a list of things that they know about you that says, yes, that's the person. This is what they have done in my life. They're worthy. Number three, consider the gracious encounter. Verse 6 to 10. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was all, all, already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should either enter under my roof. But they said, yeah, he's worthy. He said, I'm not worthy. Therefore, I, I did not even think myself worthy. You come to, uh, uh, worthy to uh, you, no, worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. Just say the word, Lord. That, that's all I need you to do. Lord, all I need you to do, you don't have to come under my roof. Just say the word. <laughs> Boy, well, what, what type of, what, no, speak the word, Lord. That's, that's all I need you to do, you know. If I know leadership, you don't need any weapons. Just speak the word. For I also am a man placed under authority. He's giving this explanation now. Soldiers under me, and I and I say, go to one and uh, to one go, and he goes, and to another come, and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant. See, he was well. Consider the gracious encounter of the, uh, uh, the centurion. We have three shots here. One, the impression of his unworthiness. The expression of his unworthiness and his explanation of his actions. The presentation of his best approach to his Christ's situation. The extraordinary insight of essence of power, which is not in the hand that touches, but the spoken word containing absolute authority. His gracious mindset of the centurion should be the norm for every believer. His faith, his what? Trust and his, his faith, his trust, 
in his respect. If we're going to learn something from, from the centurion, you want to, if you want to please God's heart, the first thing is show some respect. Amen. Come now, Lord. Do it now. Lord. Excuse me. Am I a concierge? Better known in, in French as a slave? Am I one who uh, come and do your bidding? Am I your bell hop? And, and then he says, all you have to do is speak the word. Now he goes deep. Now, now get this now. Here's where he goes deep. He says, my word is physical. When I speak physically, people respond physically. They go, they come, because I am in, I, I've earned all of this. They better obey me. No, I'm the head honcho. They better obey me. He said, Lord, but I'm not worthy for you to be to come under my roof because you see, the type of word that you have goes beyond the physical into the spiritual. And what's happening to my servant is not a physical thing that could happen to you. I need somebody who has some spiritual power that can go that even if he die, you will wake him up. So, Lord, what I want you to do then, Lord, you don't have to come under my roof. I know what your power can do. Matter of fact, you didn't even have to walk toward me. All you had to do was say the word. Say the word, Lord, and I know what will happen. I know that my, my, my servant will be healed. I know my crisis will turn to, to, to glory. I know that you receive the praise. I know my life will be flipped around. Speak the word, Lord, because I know who you are. I know what you do in my life. Oh, if we only get to the point of coming to the Lord and say, Lord, speak the word, because it's your word that makes a difference in my life and in your life. Quit acting like you're, you're a slave to, to Satan's lies. You have more than that, saints of God. If we could just learn from that Roman soldier, show God some respect, show the trust, and show the faith. And you know what? You want to shock God? Shock God by showing all of those things. Because there was nobody in Israel. He says, I have not seen anyone. Anyone. And can you imagine his, all of his disciples around him? No one, Lord, no one. No one. You guys were crying in the boat. No one. No one in Israel. In desperate situations and everything else, I found no type of faith that would reach beyond all of this and understand my level of power that all I needed to do was speak the word. I don't have to touch. Just say it. Well, my time is up. But you know, I hope this verse has turned to, turned to a different scenario. I'm finding out all these verses are, are fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm on a new level and seeing some things here. And as the Lord showed me these things, he said, wow, you should know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. It's not the doctors. 
all I have to do is speak the word. <laughs> if, if, you, if, you take that, if you take that with you, other folks won't believe you, so don't even try to convince them. But if you have it down in your soul, you got it made. You can move to the next level in the inner circle. You've been saved. You're in the family. Now, inner circle means you have a better understanding of how this works. And when you have a better understanding, it's not laying aside all of the frustration and fears and, and, uh, and uh, the, the, the things and beating yourself up and looking back in your past. Now, to thank the past for what it done. It built, brought you here. Okay, goodbye past. And thank God for the future. And my God just keeps speaking the word as I walk along, you know. I'm so glad I serve a wonderful Lord. And my prayer is that we do the same. Amen. So, one last thing. No preachers always say stuff like that. After we have become, uh, become skillful at living out 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him because he what? Cares for you. He, we will experience a life-changing principle that has been repeated throughout the Word of God. Throughout the Word of God. You don't need to see it in order to believe it. You just need to hear it and embrace it and let God do His work. Amen. I would like to just kind of pray for you this morning that God is speaking to your heart in this area. There's a, you're not there yet. <laughs> you, you, you come to church, you're supposed to come to church, you come to fellowship with the saints, you're supposed to come to fellowship with the saints, all of, all of that is supposed to take place. But what happens is that um, we many, many, time, many times we, um, uh, we still go back with some of the same, the same objects we're fighting with. Stop it. Stop beating yourself up before your Heavenly Father, a mighty God. And quit using the lie that Satan has given you, you're all alone. You're the only one going through this. No one cares. That's a lie. That's why it's so low. It's a lie. Whispered from the Garden of Eden all the way now into your heart. And so when you start repeating what, what Satan's telling you, then that's telling me that you are repeating what you're hearing. And it's a lie. I would like to pray for you. If God's been speaking to your heart. Oh, and listen, once you go through a crisis, don't mean I'm done. Uh-uh. You're not home yet. <laughs> You'll be going through another, and another, and another. And, and that's why I put up that Romans, because Romans 5 says the whole idea is to build character in you. Ephesians, to build character in you. So let it have its perfect, perfect work. Let God do what he's doing. Peel away all the stuff in our lives. Well, you've been very patient. I won't impose on you more. If God's been speaking to your heart, anyone else want to stand? I would like to pray for you. Um, because um, <clears throat> it's, it's an individual thing between you and God. Uh, 
Anyone else? It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's you. You and God. It's you and God. You know what happens as a result of it? When the servant was healed, you know how many people were impacted by that? The, the disciples would never forget that. The Jewish leaders going to their synagogue, you guess what they were talking about? The servant who was healed, guess what he was talking about? Oh, you haven't seen the end of the story yet. Don't give up in the storm. Father, I just want to thank you for the saints of God and what they're going through. And there might be, might be one on the sound of my voice that do not know you as Savior. They're not in the inner circle. They're on the outside looking in. They had never experienced your saving grace. You're washing away all of their sins and bringing you them into the family. I pray for them also. And I pray, Lord, that um, if there be one even in this room, I pray, Lord, that they will realize that they're a sinner and that they can't save themselves only through believing that Jesus Christ died for their sins. Being God, died for their sins and rose again on their behalf. I pray, Lord, that they ask him to be savior of their lives. And then for those who are standing, Lord, I stand with them. As we continue to grow, we know that there will be other challenges. Lord, help us never to be in a place that we should never be, in the valley of pity. And we'll be like Elijah, where you say, what doest thou here? Help us, Lord, to position ourselves, to keep our mind on you. For you will keep us in perfect peace if our mind stayed on you because we trusted you. Thank you for what you're going to do. Great is your faithfulness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen.